to the mashup your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between i am your host jake patterson and once again when when all the sports are happening at the same time quite literally you get just absolutely insane weekends i mean well there's a point in the year where three of the big four are playing at the same time this year we've had all four of the big four playing at the same time in, like, meaningful games. Because that's never happened before. Because baseball will be winding down as NFL starts, and baseball will start to ramp up in, in its importance, and baseball's done by the time basketball and hockey really get started, in normal circumstances. But this year, that was not the case. We threw all that crap out the window. It's like, you get all four all at once, go. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're not going to have sports for four months, then you get all four of them all at the same time enjoy what do i watch (laughs) and we're just now starting to recover from that and the other leagues the nba and the nhl mostly are starting to plan their next seasons because their 1920 seasons got completely screwed so what are they going to do for the 2021 seasons right now the plan seems to be there will be no more NBA or NHL games for tw- in 2020, which I honestly can't blame them. This year has sucked. But, hey, we're on the right path. We'll, we'll get into it. I'll get into it more at the end of the show, but baseball is planning to let fans back in for the League Championship Series and the World Series, which is awesome. Which means there will probably, there will more than likely be fans in the building for baseball season next year, even if they're not full, which... Let's be honest, in April of 2021, are people really going to care anymore? I highly doubt it. I really don't think people are going to care anymore. Like, we will be able to pack out Camden Yards come opening day next year if the Orioles do, in fact, open in Baltimore. At least from from my point of view. Like, if I want to go to opening day at Camden Yards next year and I have the money to get those egregious tickets, I will be able to do so. If I want to go next year and for Mo Gabba's induction into the Hall of Fame, I will probably be able to do so, and I will probably cry my eyes out. So will everyone else in Camden Yards, so I won't be alone. But that's that's a whole different topic. I could fill up an entire show with my rantings about that basically summarize it to, if given the opportunity back in May, I would have gone to a game. I would have gone to a game, I would have gone to a concert, would have gone to a wrestling show, would have gone to an esports land. If given the opportunity back in May, I would have gone. And as the months have gone on, that belief has only strengthened. (laughs) That given the opportunity, I would go. And I don't think I'm alone. But let's get into the the actual stories here. In the NFL, so much happened this weekend. One of the... uh, the NFL performing some serious schedule gymnastics, like moving everyone's games around. I think it ended up affecting like eight different teams, which is insane to me. Who was it? I think it was the the Chiefs, the Titans, the Bills, the Chargers. Like everyone's games were getting moved around. Like games that were supposed to be on Thursday are getting moved to next week. Like it's it's been moved around a whole lot because it seems like as I record this on Monday afternoon, 
that the Tuesday night game between the Bills and Titans is still on. So that would mean the Titans can definitely not play the Chiefs on Thursday night because that would be awful. It would be kind of funny to punish the Titans, just make them play the Chiefs on two days rest, but then at the same time, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, the entire offensive line, and a good chunk of their defense would probably get very injured if you made them play two games in three days. That'd be kind of hilarious, <laughs> but but cruel. That would that would be mean. Like, they're already going to have to play on a short week anyway because they're playing on Tuesday, and then they have to follow that up and play the Chiefs. Oh, God. The, the, you know what? I don't feel bad for them. It's their fault for being dumb. Now you have to play the now you have to play the Bills on a Tuesday night. Have fun with that. And then you get the Chiefs on a short week. Have fun, Titans. This is what you deserve. But the big story this weekend, obviously, was the Dak Prescott injury. And, oh my god, I feel bad for Dak Prescott. Good lord. Like, the dude's been having a an okay season, despite being on a pretty bad team in maybe the worst division in football with Mike McCarthy, who I think once again has proven to not be a great coach. I mean, the dude lied in the interview with Jerry Jones and he's, he admitted to it and still has a job. I mean, Jason Garrett wasn't the answer either. Don't get me wrong, but Mike McCarthy is, but I, I feel bad for Derek Pre or Derek Prescott, Dak Prescott, like that video of him, just crying his eyes out as he's carted off the field and and like knowing what he went through earlier this year like between between quarantine and everything and losing his brother and struggling with depression and opening up about it just a few months later like what Dak Prescott has gone through this year he does not deserve that his team may suck and they are probably going to suck even more without him but he does not deserve that. Look, I, I hate the Cowboys. I will make fun of them repeatedly because their fans are insanely cocky and the team never backs it up. Ever. But I do, I do feel horrible for Dak Prescott and that was, that was not a, a great looking injury either. That one, that one's definitely a season ender. He's, I think it's confirmed he's going to have to have surgery on it. So he, he's going to be out for the rest of the season. And now the Cowboys are going to have to roll with Andy Dalton. And having or being a Ravens fan and knowing exactly who and what Andy Dalton is, because you would see him twice a year. And there were those years where the AFC was kind of bad. And the Bengals would overachieve in the regular season, mostly thanks to the waning years of Chad Ochocinco and the peak years of AJ Green. Like he's lost his stuff now. He's he's not the guy he used to be anymore. Like that game yesterday against the Ravens proved it. But he's not the guy he used to be anymore. But when he was still good, the Bengals would always just squeak into the playoffs and then they lose. And it was usually because Andy Dalton would make some dumb mistakes and Marvin Lewis would make some even dumber coaching mistakes. It was more often than not his fault, not, rather than Andy Dalton and the players. It was it was more often than not Lewis's stupid coaching decisions. 
But the Bengals would always sneak in because the Ravens under Flacco would choke and do something stupid. Or the Steelers would be really bad that year and they would get basically be guaranteed two free wins against the Browns because the Browns were at their worst at that point. Like that was kind of that was kind of the trend for a while in the AFC North. So I know who and what Andy Dalton is. He's a guy who can win you games in the regular season. But he is not going to win you anything important. And he's not an improvement over Dak Prescott. Like, despite my opinions on, on Dak Prescott's skills as a quarterback, I think he is... I would put him low to mid-second tier. I would put him in the low to mid-second tier of quarterbacks in the NFL. And that, I think that's an honest assessment of his skills. Andy Dalton is lower than that. Andy Dalton is in like the mid-third tier of NFL quarterbacks. Especially now that he's kind of rusty and he hasn't been the starter for a while. Because he kind of got driven out in Cincinnati. And I think it's only been a year since he hasn't been the starter, but he got driven out for Joe Burrow. He, he's not going to be the guy in Dallas. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Cowboys fans. Like, he won you that game, sure, but he's not going to be the guy. I've seen too much of him just thanks to proximity to the Bengals as a Ravens fan to say any different. Like, he's not the guy. And he's never going to be the guy. He's in that... He, he's a step above, like, the Ryan Fitzpatrick's of the world. Like... He will win you games and screw up your tank as as your backup. And then he'll or he'll come in as a backup, win a bunch of games, get a fat contract somewhere else because of it, and then not do anything. Very much the Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Sam or the uh, the Christian Ponder. Uh, he's he's a little bit better than Christian Ponder. I, that's that's kind of mean, but he's better than Christian Ponder. But there's always been those guys. Nick Foles is a big one who fits into that category. He just happened to do it at the right time that he is now a Super Bowl champion. And had a got a ridiculous nickname for a guy who wants to be a pastor after he retires. I have to tell him he should not be a pastor in Philadelphia because... Imagine trying to preach on Sundays and half the congregation starts chanting Big Dick Nick. That would be kind of funny, but I don't think that's what he wants. I would I would recommend him not becoming a pastor in Philly. Like his church would be packed out every single week, but you would also have to occasionally worry about that chant and then the like the few the few like random old people who don't really watch football and don't know who Nick Foles is. They just think, oh, we got a new young, young-ish pastor coming in. And these tiny old ladies here, all these massive Eagles fans just chanting Big Dick Nick on a Sunday morning. Okay, that, that mental image made me laugh. <laughs> but I'm getting sidetracked. Like Andy Dalton seems to be entering in that category of guy. Uh, Sam Bradford did this a lot, too where he would come in as a backup, win a couple games, get a big contract somewhere else, and then disappoint. Like, Sam Bradford did that a lot, too. And I think Andy Dalton is about to enter that same category. Because 
I mean, Dak's season is over. That was a massive ankle injury. He's going to have to have surgery. But if the recovery goes well, he's going to be able to come back next year. So they're not going to have really a need for Andy Dalton unless they're worried about Dak getting injured again. But at the same time, someone could throw a bunch of money at Dalton to say, hey, we want you to be our starter and bring him in to whatever terrible team decides they want Andy Dalton to be their starter, despite the fact that we saw what he is as a starter in Cincinnati and it's not necessarily what you really want. Because he's good enough to keep you from absolutely sucking and getting a good draft pick, but he's not good enough to win you anything important. Like, the Giants could very well win the division this year, but the thing is, the NFC East sucks. So winning the NFC East says nothing about the skill level of a team this year. Like, the NFC cha- the NFC East champion is going to be under 500. Like, 7-9 and nine wins that division this year. I'm calling it right now. And then... And there will probably be a t- one of the teams from the NFC West will be like eleven and five, and they're going to be the fir- and they're going to be the first wild card. But the whoever it is from the NFC East is going to get a home playoff game, and one of the four teams from the NFC West is going to be like eleven and five, and. The, the champion of the NFC West will be like 13 and three, but they're, they're going to have to play in the wild card. Like they would have, they would have won the NFC East by a country mile, but they're going to have to play as a, as a wild card because they were in a better division and the NFC East is trash. So I can definitely see into Andy Dalton's future here. If, the Cowboys do win the division. If they do win the NFC East, he's going to get a fat contract somewhere else and he's going to massively disappoint them. I could see the Jets doing this. If they finally free Sam Darnold from the hell that is Adam Gase, I could see the Jets absolutely doing this. It's like Sam Darnold's like, I'm done. Get me out of here. Which he should have done years ago. Like that, that team has done him so dirty. Like, never given him offensive line, gave him no weapons, released an incredibly damning soundbite to make him look like a complete idiot with the whole I'm, I'm seeing ghosts thing. Like, why would you let that get out? Why would you let that get out? It became a meme. Why would you want that for your quarterback? And, like, his decision-making sucks. Sure. But he deserved better than the Jets. Like, the Jets have ruined him. Whatever potential he had, which I don't think was all that much, like he had the potential to be at least an above average starter. I think that's what his ceiling was. And maybe he goes on a tear one year and makes a deep playoff run. Kind of a Joe Flacco type of guy. I think that was his ceiling. He's never going to get anywhere near that with the Jets. So I I could see something like that happening where he's like, just get me the heck out of here. This place sucks. I could see the Jets in that situation, letting him go and signing Andy Dalton because, oh, he won the NFC East. He won the NFC East last year. He's pretty good. Bring him in. And then he gets destroyed by the Bills defense. It's like, oh, 
oh, we have to play the AFC North this year. I don't think that's the case for the AFC East. I think the AFC... No, that's not the case for the AFC East. They are not... I, I don't think they're playing the North next year. But imagine a scenario where they are, where they're, they're playing the AFC North next year. And... Oh, no. <laughs> have to deal with the Ravens defense, the Steelers defense, the Browns defense that's slowly improving. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. I have to... Oh, wonderful. I get to have Calais Campbell and Matt Judon and Tyus Bowser and TJ Fort running into my face and throw into coverage by Marlon Humphrey, Tavon Young, and Marcus Peters. Wonderful! Now, he, he's got to get out of New York. He's got to leave the Jets. If he wants to salvage anything from his career. But there was some crazy stuff this weekend. Like, the Raiders somehow beat the Chiefs and the Dolphins beat the crap out of the Niners. That was not what I expected coming into this weekend. I, I looked at this weekend's schedule and said, these games all suck. We had two giant upsets. Uh, the other, a couple of the other games went pretty chalk, but like the Steelers kicked the crap out of the Eagles. Ravens kicked the crap out of the Bengals. Like most of the games, most of the games were pretty chalky. But the Chiefs losing to the Raiders. That one's not as surprising because the Raiders do have a decent run game. And if anything that happened in that Ravens game was clear that the Chiefs are not great against the run defensively. They're, they're not defensively amazing against the run. Let, let's see the let's see the stat breakdown. Mm, Jacobs only had, oh, he had, that'll do it. 23 carries, 77 yards, which is not amazing, but two rushing touchdowns for, for Josh Jacobs. So yeah, that's, and that, that was kind of the difference maker. They won by eight. And Derek Carr was, was slinging it. Derek Carr was slinging the thing. 347 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. So he was slinging that thing all over the place. Like he, he outgained Mahomes by seven yards and he was more efficient. 22 of 31 for 347, three touchdowns and an interception. Mahomes was 22 of 43. So same number of completed passes, 12 more attempts. That's not a great percentage there, Patrick. And they only managed... They only managed eight points in the fourth quarter. That was the that was the death knell. Because normally, the Chiefs will turn it on at the end of a game. Clearly, they just didn't have it this weekend. And, yeah, you can look at the win probability thing and see it start to shift right around. Right around, I'm guessing, like early in the, early in the fourth quarter. When they, when they started to turn it around. And the Dolphins beating the Niners was even weirder because Jimmy Garoppolo played like hot garbage. Dude got benched. The dude got benched. And they put C.J. Beathard in there. C.J. Beathard. I didn't even know he was still in the NFL. But he was out there and he... 
He was playing for the 49ers yesterday. Oh, man. They got shut out in two quarters. Oh, they got shut out in the first and fourth quarter. That's against the Dolphins. That's just bad. That's just real bad. Yeah, that was that was not a good game for the Niners. And, heck, are they... That kind of takes me to my next point. Like, there's... There's a lot of quarterbacks who are on the chopping block a little bit here. Jimmy Garoppolo, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Phillip Rivers. Like, the Colts are just furious with Phillip Rivers. Can't imagine why. I mean, the, the, the uh, temper tantrums he threw on the sidelines yesterday might be a bit of an indication that... Uh, they're not too happy with him, and he's not too happy with them. I, I can't say I blame him. The front office itself is good in Indianapolis, but the owner is a complete idiot. He is all of the worst of his father. <laughs> Obviously, talking about... Talking about, um... Frick, blanking on his name. It's not Pagano. I'm totally blanking on, on the, uh, the... Ursae. Jim Irsay. Like, Jim Irsay is the, like, everything terrible about his father cranked up to, like, 20. He's so much worse. Which, as a Baltimore native, saying anyone is worse than Bob Irsay is saying a lot. Like, he was before my time, but I heard the stories. But however, how much everyone in Baltimore of that generation hated that guy. But four different quarterbacks. And, heck, Washington just told Haskins to stay home. Rumor is they're going to trade him. Which um, would, would seal the deal that the most memorable thing he ever did in the DMV region is decommit from Maryland after... The firing, the the much deserved firing, by the way, of of DJ Durkin. That like that was the most memorable thing he will have accomplished in the DMV region is decommitting from Maryland, which is saying a lot. He played two full seasons in the NFL. Or not two full seasons, because I think he got injured last year and he's about to get traded. But he was in the NFL, in Washington, for at least part of two seasons. And the best thing he has done in the DMV region is say, I'm not going to college there. I'm going to Ohio State instead. And I think there's a contingent of University of Maryland fans who live a little bit further north who are just kind of laughing at all of this because I think more than a few of them are still mad at him for, uh, for flipping after DJ Durkin absolutely deserved to get fired. What a mess. What a, I'm not even going to get into that, but it seems like he's on his way out. Daniel Jones is clearly not the guy for the Giants at all. Like people were calling him Danny Dimes. He he's Danny Derps now. He I, I stole that name from Urinating Trade. Like 
give him full credit for that one, but he he's Danny Derps now. Like he's not the guy anymore. He he's just not. And it's a shame because he had some promise coming out of college. I mean, people kept comparing him to the Mannings. People thought he was. People were acting like he was a Manning just because he looks like Eli. Like he does. He looks like Eli. Don't get me wrong. But he's not a Manning, and his play has clearly proven that that he is in fact not a Manning at all. And no one, no one should carry that to say and make the joke that oh he's Cooper. Cooper, the only reason Cooper did not play in the NFL is because he had health problems. He had a heart issue that stopped him from playing in the NFL. According to both Peyton, Eli, Peyton, Eli, and Archie, Cooper was actually the best of the three of them. He just couldn't play in the NFL because his heart said nope. But clearly, Daniel Jones is not the lost Manning brother that the Giants thought he would be after watching him for one drive in the Senior Bowl a couple years ago and deciding, that's our guy. That actually happened, by the way. That's that's exactly what happened. The, the Giants watched him play one drive in the Senior Bowl, said, that's our guy, and drafted him. And it didn't work out. When there were so many better picks available at, I think they had the sixth last year. There were so many better picks available at that point. Like he still would have been there at 14 if you really wanted him. But I'm just glad my team is not affected by this in any way. We have our quarterback. He won MVP last year. He is definitely going to win us a Super Bowl at some point in his career. And I don't have to worry about any of the quarterback drama. It's wonderful. I don't I don't miss the is he elite discussion because there's no denying Lamar Jackson's an elite quarterback. He's the reigning MVP. Didn't have a great game this weekend. Thank God for the defense. Kicking the crap out of the Bengals. But I think he will be back next week because he had a short practice week because of knee problems and his stomach was bugging him. He had a like a stomach thing going on at the beginning of the week. So he's going to be back doing a full practice week this week. And I think the Ravens have finally realized, like, Lamar is not a pass-first quarterback. Stop trying to convince everyone. And we just need to let him run. Like, he's an electric runner. The dude is effectively an extra running back with a cannon for an arm. Like, let him run. <laughs> that is that is my stance on the Ravens for this week. Let Lamar run. I know his knee was acting up. His knee was bothering him. So maybe you didn't want to risk it as much this week. That's fine. You still won by, you still won by what, 24? So I can't blame him. Can't blame him too much this week. Can't blame them too much this week at all because I don't want Lamar Jackson getting injured in a game against the freaking Bengals <laughs> that we were basically guaranteed to win without him. Like, like at a certain point in the second quarter before halftime, RG three was on the sideline singing "Put me in, Coach" to John Harbaugh, and you know, and 
if John Harbaugh did put RG3 in, the Ravens probably still would have won. The defense was that lights out. So there's my there's my Ravens opinion for the week. As as a, a Ravens fan, I do want to get my opinion about what my own team is doing out there, even if it wasn't by any means the biggest story of the weekend. Like everyone expected them to kick the crap out of the Bengals, they kicked the crap out of the Bengals. On to next week, on to the Eagles, who they will also more than likely kick the crap out of, because the Eagles got the crap kicked out of them by the Steelers. Mostly because they didn't know how to guard Chase Claypool. And here, here's a little here's a little secret for the Ravens when we inevitably play the Steelers later this season. Put Marlon Humphrey on Chase Claypool, you win. Done. Have Marlon Humphrey guard Chase Claypool, game over. Put Marcus Peters on Juju, put, put Marlon Humphrey on Chase Claypool, game over. Over. Actually, flip that. Because Juju's still their best receiver, even if Claypool had a freaking awesome game. Put Marlon Humphrey on Juju. Put Marcus Peters on Claypool. Game over. You win. But, oh, one, one more thing I forgot to bring up with Dak's injury. Somehow, the story got out there that it was Rashad Jennings who made the play that injured Dak Prescott. There are so many things wrong with that. Leave Rashad Jennings alone, people. He's been retired for three years. Over three years. He retired. When did he, when did he officially announce his retirement? December 8th, 2017. So almost three years. He was a free agent for the entire first half of the 2017 season. Announced his, officially announced his retirement in December. He he had a very simple he had and he had he had a reasonably good career and he's having a very good post career with the whole winning dancing the stars thing and writing a couple books, being a motivational speaker, doing all this good stuff for for his his after career. Thing is, Rashad Jennings was a running back who retired three years ago. So even if he was still playing, he would not have been on the field at the same time as Dak Prescott as to tackle him and in the process accidentally break his ankle. Two, Rashad Jennings is probably not big enough to have accomplished that. 6'1", 240 pounds. That is not big enough to, unless he falls in just the right way, that is not big enough to break Dak's ankle in the way he did. It was, in fact, Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan is the one who actually made that play. Who is, actually, he's smaller. He's 5'11", 195. So, I was incorrect in that. He would be big enough, but... Rashad Jennings, probably not a great tackler. Because again, he was a running back. And he's been retired for three years. Like, he didn't play at all in the 2017 season. He officially announced his retirement in December, but he did not play a single down of football in 2017. 
well, in the 2017 season, he would have, he played a few games with the Giants in 2016, 2017. It, it carried over. But the 2017 season, he did not play a single down of football. So he has not played football in over three years. Idiots on Twitter and Instagram. Leave poor Rashad Jennings alone. And don't go after Logan Ryan either. It was an accident. Injuries are part of the game. It is not his fault. And I don't think you can intentionally do what happened to Dak's ankle to anyone. No one can intentionally do that. There's no way. Like, in the heat of a football game, there's no way you could intentionally do that to someone's ankle. You have to fall on them just right when making a tackle and hold on to them in just the right way that it snaps their ankle funny. Like, the only way to intentionally break someone's ankle like that is with a sledgehammer. Like, like in Misery. That is exactly what I'm thinking of right now. Like, that is the only way to break someone's ankle that way, is, is do the Misery thing. Put the wood block between their legs and smash their ankles with a hammer. That's how you do it. Like you you do what Annie you do you do the Annie Wilkes. That's how you intentionally break someone's ankle like that. That's like the only way I can think of. And clearly, that's not what Logan Ryan did. He made a tackle, he landed him and Dak both landed funny, it snapped Dak's ankle. Total accident. I don't think there was a giant's bounty going around on Dak Prescott. They aren't the Titans. Yeah, brought it back, back around to making fun of the Titans again. That organization is a mess. But that's what I've got for a wild, wild weekend in the NFL. Up next, we'll uh, say goodbye to NA's League of Legends hopes once again and uh, preview the first set of knockout games coming later this week. Well, the first, the first knockout game coming later this week. That's up next here on the mashup. All right, welcome back. And now we switch things up and light a candle for the fall of North American League yet again. F's in the chat, boys. They once again couldn't get it done. Cementing North America's status as the bridesmaids, the eight and eights, the gatekeepers, the fringe contenders, the bubble teams, whatever you want to call them, we are officially the fourth best region. It goes China, Korea, Europe, big drop, NA, then bigger drop, everybody else. PCS, LCL, <laughs> PCS, CIS, uh, CBLOL, LLA, all down here. All of them down here. Because, like I've said before, NA's record against those regions speaks for itself. We are definitively better than they are, so no reason to take away the third world seed from North America. We're still a major region. We just got to get our crap together and... Everyone's made the suggestions. So I feel like I just have to keep shouting them at the LCS along with the entire community to get this fixed. Now, because FlyQuest 
took a game off top esports, one of the favorites to win the entire thing, and then kicked the crap out of Unicorns of Love to finish the tournament a whopping 3-3, three and three, much like Team Liquid. Combined, combined the three NA teams in groups went 6-12. and 3-3 three and three for Liquid, 3-3 three and three for the Fish Boys, 0-6 oh for TSM. We will get to them because I think it's time we have some conversations about them and certain members of their roster. Their mid laner and their AD carry in particular. We'll get to them. Don't you worry. But there is some stuff we can take away as kind of positives that FlyQuest did beat top esports. But we don't want to rest on our laurels of that because we still didn't get out of groups. Like, there are still problems in NA and they still need to be fixed. And soon. I mean, it's going to take a while to to rebuild North America because we've done an incredible job so far doing anything to prepare ourselves for international competition. As shown by that wonderful 6-12 and 12 record by the three teams in groups. But hey, Liquid beat G2. FlyQuest beat top... One of the best teams in the world right now. So, there are some positives we can take away from this. We didn't get completely stomped. We didn't go 0-6. We, not all three teams went 0-6. There, there was no 0-18 going on. Which, thank God. Because if NA did go 0-18, then I would say, yeah, let's get... Let's let's maybe drop this down to 2, because clearly we're, we're not worthy. Like, that's that's fine. I could deal with that. But, like, Knight, top esports mid laner, he's one of the best mid laners in the world. I thought the heir apparent to Faker would come from Korea. No, it's him and Chovy. It's him and Chovy. Because, I mean, like, what do you even. Like, he's just that good. He's, he's really just that good. Like, he's the best. He is right now one of the new best players in the world. Like, he's at Worlds. Faker isn't. Faker's the best player ever. Faker's the GOAT. But you can be the best ever and not be the current best in the game because you're starting to slow down. And I think that's Faker. Like, top esports is just stacked. They have... Freaking Jackie Love, who has already won a world championship two years ago, just dominating the bot lane. Knights the heir apparent to Faker. Like, FlyQuest took a game off of them. I know they have a good team. Like, they have a pretty good team, especially by North American standards. But, like, Power of Evil is a pretty well-respected player. Wild Turtle is a reasonably respected player. Like, all, all the Chinese players really like him. And he didn't know this until someone from Chi from the Chinese media asked him. And he was like, wait, really? And the, apparently they all call him Big Brother Turtle, which is amazing. I love that, by the way. Like, FlyQuest maybe has some promise. like, And their memes are incredible. But obviously, 
that doesn't win you games. That doesn't win you games at Worlds by by any means. Like, but FlyQuest took a game off top. Liquid took a game off G two. We can't look past that fact and say, and say, oh well, we didn't make it out of groups again. It's time to take NA's third bid. No, it is not time to take NA's third bid away. Like it, it's not like. There's no reason to take NA's third bid. China can keep getting four. Europe can keep getting four. Korea and NA can keep getting three. And then everybody else can keep getting two. One or two. Depending on how big the region is. And Oceania's not losing their world's bids. Oceania's not losing their world's bids. Even though the OPL folded. So it's not like we're going to be the only one with three once Korea takes... Oceania's fourth and Oceania is just considered part of NA. No, like the teams there aren't being forced to fold. They're just folding the OPL for some reason and are just going to run regional qualifying tournaments in the re in Australia and say, Hey, you can still go to worlds. Even if you're God, that's going to be weird. They're not going to have any regular seasons. All their good players are probably going to go to the LCS because they're not going to count as imports anymore. Hmm. What a, what a complete and utter mess. Like, good lord. But, I feel like I just have to reiterate. Like, we know what to do to fix NA League. The LCS just has to do it. Like, that's the problem. They... The pro, the pro players can't practice in solo queue at all because they're playing on like 50, 60 ping because there's only one North American server. There's only one North American server and it's not in LA. It's in Chicago. And sure, there's only 2 million players on the NA server. That's that's not a lot when you're we're talking about splitting servers and having a second one. But... Like, come on, they they need to have better ping. Like, Europe has two. Europe has Europe West and Europe East. Now, obviously, both of those servers have more than NA does as a whole. They have more individually. Like, EU West has, I think, 4.4 million. Europe, Europe West has 4.5 million. Europe East has two. Or no, it's 4 and 2.5. So all told, there's 6.5 million players in Europe. That is more than enough to split the server. But North America is huge. Why would you put... Like, North America is massive. In Europe, you can start you can start anywhere in Europe. Pick a direction. Drive four hours. Depending on where you are in Europe, you may have driven through three different countries. Depending on where you are, especially in Western Europe, like if you pick a spot in France and you start driving for four hours, you could possibly still be in France. You could be in Belgium. You could be in Germany. You could be in Spain. And really, depending on which way you go, you might even be able to reach Portugal. That's five different countries. You know how far you have to drive on average in anywhere in North America 
to get to a different country, especially in the U.S. Like, pick anywhere in the U.S. Pick a random city in the U.S. More than likely, that city is not going to be near either the Mexican or Canadian borders. Meaning, to drive to a different country... <laughs> on average from basically on average in the US probably takes about 7 to 8 hours maybe more like if you're in Texas depending on where you are you could drive for 6 hours and still be in Texas like North America is huge I know we only have 2 million players but why do we only have one server and why is it in Chicago like, either move the LCS to Chicago or put a second server in LA. It's not that hard. Like, sure, you're splitting NA and you have, at best, one million on each, which is not a lot. But, if anything, a lot of people are probably driven away because, depending on where they are in the country, their ping probably sucks. <laughs> like, I live on the East Coast. I get about 35, I get about 20 to 30 ping. So I'm a little bit closer to Chicago than they are in LA, but it's still not great. Like, when, when League players were playing Valorant when it first came out, they said it was amazing because there's a server in LA. They were playing on like five ping. I don't know. And I think there's more than one North American Valorant server. Or just the one North American Valorant server that does exist is in Los Angeles. I don't know which one it is. I'd have to I have to do some digging on that. See see what's going on with, with Valorant servers. But I've had okay ping when I was when I was playing Valorant. So I'm thinking there might be more than one. Which makes sense for a first person shooter, because you you can't play on crazy ping on a first person shooter. Or the the guys when they were playing solo queue on the Chinese super server, they were they were playing at like five six ping. That's amazing. They were like, "What the frick? This is incredible." When they're hitting like 50, 60, even on really good computers and really good internet, when they're playing at home in LA, no, either just put a second server in LA or move the LCS to Chicago. Pick one. Which I don't think they want to do. I don't think they want to move the LCS to, to Chicago. And I don't think they will do that. But you got to do something. You got to obviously invest in coaching, invest in the amateur scene, improve scouting. And for the love of God, LCS players, swallow your egos and scrim with your academy teams. It can only be good for both of you. Like, if you're practicing with other good players, because you still have to be good to make it to the to academy level. Like, you're still probably a challenger-rated player. You might be lower than the guys in the LCS, but you're more than likely still rated in challenger. So, like, at worst, they're high grandmaster. Like, that's the absolute worst that an academy player probably is. And, like, pump up the college scene. Pump up the amateur scene. Do something. 100X is is a is a good start. 
I think Liquid's doing the same thing. I've, I've brought them up before. Everyone needs to do that. Riot needs to put some money in the collegiate scene. And if you do that, that'll drive CSL away. And CSL sucks. So anything to screw them over. Get some more official Riot money into the collegiate scene and you keep away you keep away two very incompetent governing bodies. You keep away the CSL and you keep away the NCAA. Both of which need to stay very far away from collegiate esports because the CSL just sucks and the NCAA wouldn't know what to do with it. Because a lot of guys who play collegiate esports are probably also Twitch streamers and the NCAA can't get anywhere near collegiate esports. Like if that happens, collegiate esports is screwed. If the NCAA gets anywhere near that, like anywhere near it, don't let the NCAA come anywhere near that space at all because they would completely ruin it. Like TESPA is a thing that already exists. Riot needs to rip off that idea and just pump money into the collegiate League of Legends scene. Like, just rip off Blizzard's Blizzard's TESPA idea and do the exact same thing. And you will help a whole lot because that would make the collegiate esports scene better. I would think with more Riot support and more revenue potential, schools would be willing to offer scholarships. And... People will watch. People will watch if you make it intriguing. If you if you let the player's personality shine. Like, I've said that a million times. You can get college fans into League of Legends if you do it right. Get some official Riot money in there. Have the teams, like, make it a requirement that the teams just churn out content. Be the exact opposite of the NCAA. Be everything the NCAA should be but isn't. Like, you have a fan base, if you can just reach them, you have a built-in fan base through the school. And if you, to, for, uh, part, whatever, whatever Riot's TESPA ripoff ends up being called, make it a requirement for membership that you are also making content. And you don't have to do it all the time. Like you don't have to do what professionals do where they're, this is their, this is their job. And like, that's all they have to focus on. Like they're not in school or anything, but make it a requirement to, to be a member, to have some kind of content creation arm and just do everything the NCAA is doing wrong. Do it right. Take everything the NCAA is doing wrong and do it correctly and you will build collegiate League of Legends. And that's that's one of the biggest keys to fixing NA League is invest in the amateur scene. And if you don't want to do that, pump some money, pump some official Riot money into the TCS. I've said that before, I'll say it again. Make the TCX NXT. Make it like NXT where you get invested in the people who are playing in it Put it right before the big LCS events in the same venue, maybe like the day before, and make a big deal out of it. 
Make it NXT. People will come. And you will save NA League of Legends. It's very simple. You just have to do it. And if you don't want to do build a second NA server or move the LCS to Chicago, build a server for the pros in Los Angeles that, that only the pros can access and like very high tier, like make a server in NA or in LA for the pros and high level challenger players for the pros, for the Academy and very, and like, and like the top half of challenger say the top, like say the top couple hundred, say the, say the top, like 500 that live in the area. Like you have to be top 500 and you can access this server, but put it in LA, put it in LA, let the pros access it and let top tier challenger players, because let's be honest, most good league of legends players probably already live on the West coast. Just based on population and demographics and interest. There probably aren't many great league of legends players from the Midwest. <laughs> there could be there. They're probably, but I think it'll be a while before, <laughs> before there's an incredible league of legends player from Indiana. Just, just, just thinking and they play on like no ping. So, so you never know. <laughs> But that's that's how you save NA League. That's what you got to do. But as far as the, the first game on Thursday goes, I'm going to just preview that one. And, and I'll, do the, uh, I'll do the Friday game too. They're both same region matchups. They're, they're both totally same region matchups. Damwon versus DRX and Suning versus... JD and if I had to pick Damwon's beating DRX they're better and JD is probably beating Suning because Suning kind of just scraped by getting out of groups they they stomped G2 but if uh if G2 won that first game, they would have had to play a tiebreaker against Liquid, who they had already lost to that day. So who knows what would have happened in that situation. They might not have even made it out. So I think JD wins that one because they're, they may have been China's second seed, but they're still one of the best teams in the world. Same, and Damwon's just better than DRX. I, so I think, I think this one goes a little bit chalk. I think, uh, I think Saturday is the big one where you might have to watch for an upset, but more than likely it'll actually be, it'll actually be a winner of Suning and JD versus winner of top and fanatic. But there is still the only possibility for an, for a same region final is G2 versus fanatic because all three Chinese teams are in the same half of the bracket. All three Korean teams are in the same half of the bracket. So there's no possibility for an all China or all Korea final. There is only a possibility for an all Europe final for G2 to beat 
Gen G and either Damwon or DRX, probably Damwon, and for Fnatic to beat Top and JD. That's going to be a much harder road for Fnatic than uh, than G2 has. Like, I think G2 is capable of beating Damwon. I, I think they are. I think they are legitimately capable of beating Damwon and going to finals for the second year in a row. I don't know about Fnatic's chances too much, but I don't want to give up hope on them just yet. I think I think Fnatic is still a very good team, but Top is really good. They still had caps, maybe a difference, but since uh, he left and went to G2 and made a freaking super team, I think out of the two European teams who made it into knockouts or playoffs, G2 has a better chance to make it all the way to the finals. Now, in the highly likely event, they do make it that far. The highly likely outcome is they play top. I don't know if they win that, but I would love it if they did. Because they really should have won last year. Like, they really should have won last year. But what can you do? They didn't, and they played like hot garbage. Caps turned back into craps, and it just was not good for anyone. But that's what I got for League of Legends. And good lord, this show is already very long. But, hey, there was a lot to talk about. So uh, we'll get into uh, the end of the Overwatch League season. Up next, here on the mashup. Alright, still sticking with esports. Switching over to the oft forgotten and very poorly timed Overwatch League finals. What were they thinking scheduling them at the same basically the same time as as Worlds? Oh man, that was a bad idea. So many more people were watching Worlds, and I can't blame them because the Overwatch League has not done itself any favors. But the finals were actually really good. I I really enjoyed watching the finals this year. I was kind of disappointed that my team wasn't there. But at the same time, like, they would have lost to the shock again and just broke my heart one more time this season. They've already done it enough. Like, it was better. They just get the crap kicked out of them by, by Shanghai and Seoul. And come back home to Philly and try again next year. When hopefully we can all go to games at Fusion Arena and cheer them on. At least for for their home events. But. Ugh. <laughs> it still hurts a little bit that it wasn't them. I really thought for a while during this season it was going to be them. Because they looked like the best team in the league. But then they ran into Asia's meta and they had no plan for it. San Francisco did. And they kicked the crap out of Shanghai. They kicked the crap out of Seoul. It's very easy. They, uh, and they won the whole thing. They are, they are once again, the Overwatch League champions. First team in the very short history of this league to go back to back and showing no signs of slowing down because I think this core is going to stick around. I thought they were screwed after they lost Sinatra. Clearly not. They have so much depth, so much talent. It's terrifying. 
And I don't think they've gotten to have... No, they haven't had uh, an event in front of their home fans yet. Can you imagine what that is going to sound like when they play in front of their home fans in San Francisco for the first time? Good Lord, that's going to be insane. When they play in front of their home fans in San Francisco for the first time, that whatever venue they're going to play in isn't going to have a roof anymore. It's just boom, gone. Because I think this core is sticking together. They're probably going to re-sign most of them if their contracts are even up. And they're just going to probably come back next year and do it again. But I have to say, congrats to the Overwatch League on even finishing the season. Like They didn't have any of the same internet issues the COD League had. They figured out how to make somehow games on the East Coast and West Coast actually work. They figured out a plan to still have playoffs and crown one champion and not, and not, you know, just say, oh, this is the North American champion, this is the Asia champion, and you'll never know who was the one true champion of the Overwatch League for the 2020 season, which would have sucked, by the way. It probably still would have been the Shock who won the North American championship, but if... If Seoul, if, if like San Francisco Shock and Seoul Dynasty were, were co-champions, essentially, like San Francisco was the champion of North America, Seoul was the champion of Asia, like that wouldn't feel like as much of an accomplishment. Or if we had to, or like if they had like a championship unification match at the beginning of next season, where it's like, okay, you two, even though your rosters are completely different from last year, it's been several months, but you two are finally going to play each other to determine who is the one true champion of the 2020 season, despite the fact that it is now late February of 2021. Thankfully, that's not going to happen. We have crowned one true champion of the Overwatch League in the 2020 season, and it is none other than the San Francisco Shock. And they earned it. Like... They had some struggles after Sinatra left. Don't get me wrong. They did. They had plenty of struggles after he left of them trying to figure out what to do next. How to how to fill in that gap. But they did it. Like, and now they're, uh, they're, they're champions. And... Like I said, that's the thing. They're probably going to be champions again next year. Like, they could very well win three in a row because Violet's probably coming back. Super's probably coming back. Like, this whole roster is probably coming back. At least, at least most of the important players. Like, the Shocker run by NRG. They're not going to let these guys go. They're not going to let these guys go easily. It's NRG. They're smart. Super, Striker, Rascal, Moth, Treoban, Smurf, Violet, like, Ons. There's no way, there's no way Ons and Striker are going anywhere. Treoban, uh-uh. They're keeping him around. Moth and Super, they're keeping them around. Violet, duh. Like, some of the bench guys might leave, but that... That like main six, they ain't going anywhere. They're they're not. And 
the Fusion need to step up. Because right now, at least on the North American side of things, they are the Shock's only challenge. And the Shock have proven to be better than them. It's the Chiefs and the Ravens. Like, the Ravens are the only real threat to the Chiefs. And right now, the Chiefs have proven to be better. I mean, sure, they lost to the Raiders this week. But in head-to-head competition, the Chiefs kicked the crap out of the Ravens. So... Like, the Fusion need to figure out a way to get better. I think it starts and ends with their main tank. Like, Sato had a great year, but he's not Trey Oban. Like, and I know finding a tank that good is going to be difficult, but you have to try. Like, Fusion, you have to try. You can keep Sato on the team, but he's not he's not your championship main tank. He's, he's not. Like, you have depth at DPS, you have depth at support. Well, Boombox is leaving, but you you have your supports. You you absolutely have your supports. You have Alarm and Funny Astro. Like, lock them up because they are your guys. You have Poco and Fury. They're both really good off tanks. Keep them around. You have Carpe. He can be one of the faces of the league. Keep him around. You need... To figure out who that true second DPS is. Or you can just stick with the depth. Actually do that. Just stick with the depth. And find a new main tank. Find a new starting main tank to start over Sato. Because Sato's not the guy. And for the love of God. Figure out how to handle poke damage comps. Because. Good lord. That was your problem against Shanghai. And you just couldn't do anything. So. That's my advice to the fusion. And once again, congratulations to the San Francisco Shock. But shorter segment, that's all I got for Overwatch. And uh, up next, we'll uh, get into a couple other things. I want to put it in their own segment because it's two kind of big things, one in esports, one in traditional sports. We'll get into that up next and wrap up the show coming up here on the Mashup. All right, final segment of the show and two big stories that didn't really fit anywhere else. So just stick them at the end of the show because I have opinions on both of them. The first one, baseball is actually going to let fans back in before the end of the year. The NLCS at Globe Life Park in, I believe, Arlington, Texas. Could be in Arlington, could be in Dallas. I don't know. It's probably in Arlington because that's where all the Texas stadiums are that, uh, aren't uh, the Stars and the Mavs because they share the AAC. But it's probably in Arlington. They are going to let about 11,000 fans in for the NLCS. Which, yes, yes, yes and yes. And tickets for both LCSs and the World Series have already been sold out. Oh my god, I'm so happy. Baseball will actually have crowd noise again. It'll be much quieter because like 10,000 people in a baseball stadium, that's not a lot. But compared to what we've had this year, that's a lot. Like 10,000 people in a baseball stadium. How many, how many people does Globe Life Park hold? Because it's a brand new stadium. Like they just built it for this season and this is the first time it's going to have fans in the building for a baseball game because they had they had a couple high school graduations there 
Uh, Globe Life Field. What is its capacity? It is in Arlington. What is its listed capacity? 40,000. 40,300. So there's 11,000 people there. That is significantly less than capacity. That's yeah. That's that's a hair over twenty five percent. That's actually a lot. That's compared to some of the other stadiums right now, like a hair over forty thousand three hundred divided by let's just call it ten thousand or other way uh, divided by forty thousand three hundred. Yeah, that's a, well, since it's actually 11,000, that's a hair over 25%. So that's a lot. That's a whole lot. And that's a good thing. It's a very good thing. Let people back into the stadiums. Like I said at the top of the show, if given the opportunity, I would have gone to anything. A sporting event, a wrestling show, a concert, comedy show, any of that. I would have gone back in May if given the opportunity. And in the past four plus months, that opinion has yet to change. If given the opportunity, I would go. If given the opportunity and the means to do so, I would go. Like, if the Ravens said, hey, we want to make sure this works. Uh, here's a free ticket to our next our next home game. You bet. I am going to be in there with a purple jersey on and I'm going to be yelling as loud as I can through that stupid mask. <laughs> I'm I'm going. If if AEW said, "Hey, we're coming to Philly soon and we want to do a test run for leaving Jacksonville to make sure it's successful. Here's a here's a free ticket. We'll be at the Leah Cora Center in 2 weeks." I would go. I would absolutely go. Heck, if they said we're going to be at the Leah Chorus Center in like a month, tickets are 20 bucks, get them while they're hot, I would find a way. Because for the love of God, I, I want to go to things again. Like, I haven't been to things since November. Like, that was the last time I went to a thing that required purchasing a ticket. That it's it's been almost a year. Good lord. Ugh, that that hurts me. I, I would have thought I would have gone to a couple AEW shows by now, since between since since full gear, but that didn't happen, did it? Next time they come anywhere near me, I'm going. But baseball is doing a smart thing. It and they even said it's partially a test run for next year, which again I don't think. In April 20 of, 20 of next year, we're really going to be as concerned. I, I really don't think so, because you can only scare people for so long before they get sick of it. And I know I sound like a total conspiracy theorist here, but, like, the numbers in the U.S. are actually getting better. Like, I, I don't care what anyone says. Like, the U.S. is actually doing a pretty good job. Like, positivity rate is way down. Hospitalizations, way down. Death rate, all that stuff, way down. And if you ask certain people, they all think Corona has actually been in the U.S. a whole lot longer than March. And we just didn't notice 
until March. Like, that's what a lot of people are starting to think now, and I, I tend to agree that it's been here much longer than March. It's been here much longer than seven months. Like, it's been here since late last year. Because there were a lot of people talking about, like, getting a really nasty flu that kind of knocked them on their butts for a couple weeks back in, like, November, December, maybe even a little bit in October, and they thought, oh, the flu's just really bad this year. Like, whatever flu strain it is this year is just really bad. And then March is when it all hit the fan. But, like, it's been around for a while, and we didn't notice until March. Like, I think we're good. (laughs) I think we can go to things again. Obviously, you have to be careful and reopen stuff slowly, but, like, we can go to things again. If given the opportunity, I would. And I don't think I'm alone. But one final thing before I wrap up the show for this this very long episode. It's gotten pretty long today, but that's fine. There was a lot to talk about. News broke today, and it came straight from them, that 100 Thieves is dropping out of the CSGO scene. And honestly... I can't really say I blame them watching Nate Shot's video where he was talking about why and the reasons why they can't be involved in, in CS anymore. Like, 100 Thieves is a North American organization. And they're too new to really do that thing where they have multiple offices. Like, T1, T1 has a North American section now. Like, Cloud9 has a Korean. Team Liquid has stuff in Europe. Like, Team Liquid's Valorant team is is European. I mean, they're specifically British because I'm pretty sure they... Yeah, they signed Fish 1-2-3. So Team Liquid's Valorant team is in EU. I think Team Liquid has a bigger European presence. 100 Thieves doesn't. 100 Thieves is exclusively like North America. And they want everything to be based in LA. And again, don't blame them. They're... The, the 100 Thieves Cash App Compound is a beautiful building. <laughs> and it looks like an awesome place. And they just hook you up. Like, there's so much... Like, if you're a, if you're playing for 100 Thieves, you've got everything you need at the compound. But with everything in CS kind of moving to Europe and having, like, a heavy European focus, a lot of NA orgs are dropping out of CS and just focusing on Valorant. Because they can... They can work on Valorant in North America. Like, it's too new. The scene isn't built up enough yet to really be defined by one region. And I personally think Valorant's going to be, like, North America's game. Out of out of the games that go big-time international, because let's be honest here, Call of Duty isn't. Call of Duty is, like, North America and Europe, and that's it. And most of the good players come from North America. Like, it's a global game, but it's North America and Europe, let's be honest with, with ourselves here. I think Valorant is going to be a, a worldwide game that takes off in North America, in Europe, in China, in Korea, in Australia, like everywhere. But NA is going to be the king of Valorant. I am calling that right now. I have to wait for a while to see if that opinion, to see that opinion tested. But like, we're going to be Valorant. Like, we're going to be the Valorant games. I think I'm pretty confident in saying that. But the bigger thing with this whole 100 Thieves dropping out of CS thing, the timing is a little strange. 
because the rumors of Nate Shot getting involved with the CDL have been swirling, and now they're dropping out of CS, which is going to clear up some money. It's going to clear up a lot of money, actually, because they've been trying to deal, even before, like, travel bans caused by Rona, they were having visa issues with the CS team because they're Australian. Like, they were having visa issues with those guys, and that's that's part of the problem when you have international players. Like, you have to deal with visa issues. It's not as recognized as traditional sports are for, for international players. Like, it's easy for guys from Europe and Australia and China and all these other places to get visas to play in the NBA because the NBA has been around forever, and it's a, a very established thing. Like, Luka Doncic will probably never have visa issues over the course of his entire career. Luka Doncic will probably never have a problem with his visa. I could see a League of Legends player having problems with their visa. That happened. That happened this year with Broxa. Like, two different worlds. And they were having visa issues, so I think it was time to... And I think the guys were probably upset that they're not going to be part of 100 Thieves anymore because 100 Thieves hooked them up. But at the same time, like... They've been talking to European orgs who might be interested in picking these guys up. And hopefully, for their sake, they, they find a new home. Because they're actually a pretty good team. And hopefully they find a new home in Europe that'll actually let them grow better in CS. Because NACS is getting left in the dust by Valorant. Like, we've never been great at it. And all the up-and-coming players who... We're thinking about CS. I've just given up on CS and have started playing Valorant instead. Like, NA Valorant is leaving NACS in the dust. But the rumors are starting to swirl now. Because, obviously, they're probably going to get some money from dropping this team and effectively trading or, or selling them to a different European organization. And... They're also clearing up money by not having to pay these guys anymore since they won't be 100 Thieves players. Those rumors aren't slowing down. Nate Shot, Nate Shot can try to hide it all he wants. Those, those rumors aren't slowing down. I don't know if they're true, but someone's going to have to buy the, uh, the Optic LA franchise because Hector can't own two and he ain't selling the Huntsman. He's not selling his stake in NRG. Well, NRG wouldn't sell the Huntsman. Hector would just have to shell, sell his share of NRG if he wanted to keep running Optic Gaming Los Angeles, which does not seem like his intent. He, he seems he seems like he wants to keep his share of NRG, keep running the Huntsman, and keep running NRG as a whole. Because he was, he was congratulating the Shock over the weekend for their win, too. Because, I mean, he signs their paychecks, so... <laughs> or he he's part of signing their paychecks. Probably, probably Andy Miller helps, too. But, yeah, the, the rumors are only going to keep swirling. Until, until a buyer is announced for the Optic LA franchise, that is probably going to get renamed, because Immortals doesn't... <laughs> Immortals doesn't really own that franchise anymore. And uh, 
they're selling to someone who isn't optic and they won't be able to use that name because it's a trademark owned by Hector Rodriguez. So they won't be able to call themselves optic. Rumors are only going to keep swirling. The name LA thieves popped up a couple months ago on Hector's podcast with Nate shot. That's not a name you just come up with. It really isn't. That's, that's not a name you just pull out of thin air because there were already two LA teams. There were already the gorillas and there was already OGLA. He came up with LA thieves real quick. He's denied it repeatedly on stream, but I've, I, I'm still of the opinion. There's something there. And until a buyer for that franchise is announced, I'm going to keep thinking there's something there. But that's it for the show today. Hope you all enjoyed. This was this was a pretty long one. Because, especially the first two segments, they were really long. I did not expect the first two segments to be a full hour. But that's all for the show today. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. And I will talk to you on Friday. See you then.